This is a Willits Point Shea Stadium bound 7 express train. The next and last stop is Willits Point Shea Stadium. Yes, it is. Welcome to another edition of the Subway to Shea podcast. Anthony Rivera here with you to talk about all the news and happenings surrounding that team from Queens, the New York Mets. You can follow the show on Twitter at Subway to Shea. Listen and subscribe on Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Breaker, and Pocket Cast. And please take a few minutes, write a review on the show, let me know what you think, what you like, what you don't like. I want to improve this show and make it better for you, the Met fans out there. Well, it hasn't been a great couple of weeks for the New York Mets. Now, what happened this past weekend, and I only want to discuss this here and now, I want to move on past this after this, but Steve Cohen has left Twitter can't have nice things, Met fans. We just can't. And this all stems from his little Twitter confrontation, I guess, if you will, with one stool presidente, Dave Portnoy. And it had to do with the Robinhood app and the Game Stock stocks. And now I'm going to tell you right now, I don't know anything about that stuff. Uh, I'm not into the stock world. I don't know how it who it affects and who it didn't affect. But I know Dave Portnoy was angry, and he was angry at Steve Cohen, and they had a little back and forth, and it didn't go too well, because a lot of people will not go up against a Dave Portnoy. Me, personally, I'm going to lay this out right here for you right now, to get this out of the way. Never have been, never will be a big fan of Barstool Sports. Never. I'm not a huge fan of Dave Portnoy, either. But I will leave my personal feelings about him and Barstool out of here. I mean, for the most part, if you follow the show on Twitter, you know my thoughts already on Barstool and uh, Dave himself. But I will give credit where credit's due. And I do respect him for the Barstool fund that he has been doing for the small businesses. I think that he did a great job on that. And I respect him for that stuff. When it comes to sports and that entity, that website, I'm not a huge fan. They left an article, and I'm not going to give the title of it either because I don't want people going out. You either read it or you didn't read it, but I'm not going to give them more you know, views to for people to look at. But they wrote an article on uh, Steve Cohen. It, <laughs> definitely the title left... Uh, Things whereas, yeah, they can't stand Steve Cohen. But because of this whole situation with the stock issue, Steve Cohen had to leave Twitter. Him, his family, they were getting personal threats. I mean, you know, Twitter is very divisive world. And this is, it, it's sad to see Steve off because he was interacting with the fans so well. And even, you know, his wife from time to time, his daughter was also... Uh, interacting with the fans 
And it, it just stinks that now we don't get to hear from Steve as much. It'll be a press release now. Whereas we never heard from the Wilpons. So this little minimal interaction that we did get with Steve was great. But it all got ruined with this whole thing with Dave Portnoy. And obviously he backtracked on the people who threatened Steve and his family. But if he didn't get into this whole nonsense on Twitter, nobody would have gone after Steve the way they did. This is the same thing with the Trevor Bauer tweets. Yeah, Trevor Bauer didn't end up threatening someone, but the people who follow him did. So it goes on Trevor Bauer. Same thing with Dave Portnoy. He didn't tell people to threaten Steve Cohen and his family, but his tweets incited that. And a lot of people think this stuff with Portnoy has to do with, because he's been seen with pictures with the Wilpons in the past and hanging out with them. And he was also rumored to possibly be in the ownership bid with A-Rod's team. I don't know how true that is. But Dave Portnoy to me is just... I don't even want to entertain him or give him more of a platform. Although how minor my platform is, I just don't want that on my show. And I have to give some credit to, I guess, KFC and the We Gotta Believe podcast because they have to clean up after him on Twitter. The We Gotta Believe podcast is a Met podcast on Barstool Sports. But I'm wondering how that relationship is. And I'm hoping that they address that in their podcast if they haven't done so already. And then another person who, who kind of got on my nerves was Boomer of Siasin, of The Fan. You know, he has that morning show with, with Gio. And he said he won't go to another game until they confirm there was no shady dealings with Cohen. So all of a sudden now, Boomer's not going to go to any more Mets games. I mean, it doesn't affect me. I'm pretty sure it doesn't affect you. But I find it a little weird that all of a sudden, he's not going to go to any Mets games because of the possible shady dealings, if there even is any, which I don't think there is. You mean to tell me that all these years, through the Ponzi scheme, through a lot of the very dumb things that the Wilpons have done, that has not been the reason why you would be like, mm, yeah, I'm going to stop going to Mets games now. All of a sudden, this? Come on, Boomer. Be better. Be better than that. Then you got SNY. SNY made a tweet in light making fun of the Cohen family harassment, which they then deleted and apologized for. And I get, but you just don't do these things. Because now you left that tweet so someone can screenshot. You don't make these mistakes. I know they apologize, but it's just a bad look for SNY. Now, like I said, I've already given my thoughts on here and on Twitter about Barstool, the clown that is Dave Portnoy and his comments. But SNY falling into this as well is very disappointing. And you got to be able to rely on SNY, you know, for comfort since it's the home of the New York Mets. And the tweet was just uncalled for. They did take it back. They did apologize for it. And I don't know if that person's going to be fired for making that tweet or what, but bad taste, man. Bad taste. Now, as we move on from the issues with Steve Cohen and Dave Portnoy and Steve getting off Twitter, another issue with a former New York Met, the former manager of the New York Mets, Mickey Calloway. He was suspended by the Anaheim Angels. As an article came out on The Athletic, five women accused him of lewd, unwanted advances spanning five years in three teams, which means this happened while he was also in the Mets, the Indians as well. 
between this guy, Jared Porter, rough vetting process has been going on here. There needs to be a better way. Sadly, this happened under the Sandy Alderson regime, but the Mets did not find out about this incident until August of 2018, and Sandy was already gone as he was dealing with cancer. So he was already gone by the time they learned about this incident. So if it's not Sandy who's at fault here, is it Jeff Wilpon? Did they tell Jeff Wilpon and he just went along with it? Because Mickey Calloway ended up staying for another season. Vetting across the league needs to improve ASAP. How are you going to do it? I don't know. That's for MLB to come up with. MLB needs to come up with this, you know, across all of the teams. Maybe they get involved as well. Now, Mickey's denied the allegation, which means now an investigation has to go through before he can be fired. Otherwise, he can file a lawsuit. One thing we know is for sure, and we're going back to Barstool and KFC because they had another bad take here. They did not leak this story so the Angels could fire him and then sign Trevor Bauer. Come on, guys. That's another bad take. This is, has nothing to do with Trevor Bauer, and it kind of diminishes what these women went through, if you even think that way. I do think Mickey Calloway will eventually be fired. There's texts, there's pictures, and that never ends up well. Porter got fired, and so will Mickey Calloway. And to be honest, I don't know how Mickey Calloway got hired by the Mets as manager, just on his experience. And we saw a lot of that during the season. And for me, in my era of watching Mets baseball from 1998 to now, Mickey Calloway may have been the worst manager with some of the moves that he made. Maybe worse than Art Howe. And Arthur Howe had awful records. And I don't know how the Mets won with the way Mickey managed and how they had good record in 2019. With some of these moves that he made during his tenure, I mean, to me, he's I think he is the worst manager in my era of watching Mets baseball. I didn't get to see Dallas Green. I didn't get to see Torborg. I didn't get to see Joe Torre. The only other one I could think of is Art Howe in this era. But sooner or later, Mickey will probably be fired by the Angels. And more of these stories, I feel like, are going to be coming out sooner or later. On to some more positive news. And actually, Mets transactions. The New York Mets said goodbye to Steven Matz as they traded him to the Toronto Blue Jays for right-handed pitchers Sean Reed Foley, Josh Winchowski, and Yenis Diaz, also right-handed pitchers. Now, Sean Reed Foley, 1-0 with a 1.35 ERA and five relief appearances in 2020. His career stats, 5-8 with a 4.40 ERA. Winchowski, 10-8 with a 2.69 ERA in 2019 while playing a ball. Diaz in the minors, 34 and 26 record with a 3.84 ERA. It's nice to see the Mets actually get pitchers who have close to, if not under four ERA. Every time they sign someone, it is someone who has an over five ERA and they're trying to reclamate these guys. But this seems like a good haul for Steven Mets. You know, Steve Metz struggled last year, 0-5, 9.68 ERA, was by far his worst career year. So far with the Mets, he was 31-41 and with a 4.35 ERA, had a great 2015, pitched very well in the playoffs, 
He had a good 2019, a bounce back, but he's always struggled to be consistent. Whereas he'll pitch a good one, two, three innings, and then he'll implode. And once he implodes, it's huge. So the Mets, I guess, even after getting Lucchesi, have decided to let go of Steven Matz. They saved some money. Hopefully they'll put that into some free agency because there's still a couple big players out there. The Bowers, the Bradley Juniors of the world, or the Rizzies, and, you know, fill out the rest of the roster. But it's sad to see that Matz couldn't fully put it together. And now there are only two pitchers from the big rotation that they started in 2015. We didn't remember, we didn't even get to see the full rotation as everyone got hurt. I think maybe once we did, but then everyone got hurt. We still have DeGrom. We still have Syndergaard, who will be coming back soon from Tommy John surgery. And he looks to be ahead of schedule, which looks great. But Matt Harvey, gone, traded. Steven Matz, gone, traded. Zach Wheeler, signs in free agency with the Phillies. The dream rotation didn't work out. Worked out better than Generation K did as this rotation got them to the World Series. But we could never really see this rotation in full form. So now Steven Matz is gone. I know last episode I mentioned Brad Hand going to the Washington Nationals to be their closer. And the Mets looking for a lefty. Well, they found him in Aaron Loop. He was 3-2 with a 2.52 ERA in 2020 with the Tampa Bay Rays. And I gotta say, this is just a nice, quiet move by the Mets. Got him at a good price. Total career, he's 15-22 and 22 with a 3.38 ERA. There you go again. An ERA under 4. Another solid addition to the Mets' bullpen. And I hope they're not done, honestly. I hope they continue to add more depth to the bullpen. With this signing, I don't know if it totally means that Justin Wilson's out, but it looks like it. It looks like Aaron Loop will be the main lefty out of the pen. But you had to have a feeling that Justin Wilson was going to get a lot more money than Aaron Loop did. But this is a good signing. Finally got a lefty, crossed that off. And he joins the bullpen with Seth Lugo, Edwin Diaz, Dylan Batandis, Jerry's Familia. You got Miguel Castro in there. And if you need a lefty, Jerry Blevins, he signed a minor league deal. He can also be coming out of the pen. Mets weren't done adding depth, especially to the rotation. Mets trade for Jordan Yamamoto from the Miami Marlins, traded minor leaguer infielder Federico Polanco to get Yamamoto. He'll be a death piece for the rotation. Definitely a fifth starter going up against a Yuluchesi if the Mets don't sign another pitcher. But they are still looking for a starter. I heard that they were looking at Rich Hill. Obviously still in on Bauer. Looking at Odorisi. I would hope that they would take a flyer on Tawan Walker. Doesn't seem there to be too much interest in James Paxton. But they also went to see Jake Arrieta pitch and Mike Fultonavich. That would be a nice get for the Mets if they got Fultonavich, who previously played for the Braves. So they keep adding depth. And this is important. The Mets lack so much depth for so long. And that's why they struggled, because they would have to bring up their minor leaguers that weren't ready yet, that were too young. Or maybe they had to put the bench players and started them for way too long because they didn't have enough depth. And they are getting that now. They're getting it in the rotation. Something that was desperately needed last year. 
You can't field the team with just Jacob deGrom and David Peterson, who was a rookie, starting. You can't do it, and you can't expect to survive. That's why they had an awful season last year, the rotation. And then with that struggle, you have to pluck Seth Lugo out of the bullpen, which is his best spot, and then the bullpen struggles. So now with this depth in starting pitching, Seth Lugo can remain in the bullpen. And if Edwin Diaz struggles, maybe Seth Lugo will be the closer. But the Mets keep adding depth, and that's all you can ask for. Some baseball news. Let's get into baseball news around MLB. First time we're doing that, but the this is important for the Mets right now. Major League Baseball Player Association rejected an offer to shorten the season to 154 games, add a DH, and expanded playoffs. The thing that boggles my mind on why they rejected this deal is they would have been paid for the 162 games. They would have been paid to play the normal season, but shorter. I don't know why they rejected that. But most importantly to me, all I want to know is, is if we're having the DH or not. Can that be like a separate deal in this? A lot of teams have not signed players because they don't know if they're going to have the DH or not. I heard that there are teams interested in Marcelo Zuna, but they won't sign him because they don't know if there's a DH. The DH affects the Mets because we got Pete Alonso and Dom Smith are going to need at-bats, J.D. Davis, and if they sign a center fielder, Brandon Nimmo's going to need at-bats. They need to get this deal with the DH dealt with already. I'm in favor of it. I'm not a big fan of pitchers hitting. I know there are a lot of people who are and who love the old school type of baseball, but I don't need to see Jacob deGrom hit and get hurt. Put up Dominic Smith. Let him bat. And we've seen what he can do with his bat. And then he'll play first. And then you have Pete Alonso swapping with him at first and playing DH. You throw J.D. Davis in there. And at the time, you were also throwing Robinson Cano in there. So the DH is the big catalyst in how the rest of the offensive players are going to be in free agency, if they're going to sign or not. This has taken way too long to come up with a solution. Baseball did this last year. The season had already started, and they figured out maybe a day or two in that they were going to do expanded playoffs. You guys have to sit down and get this done way before spring training and the season starts. Enough's enough between the MLB Players Association and MLB. Get it taken care of. Now, before we get off the air, a congratulations to Daniel Murphy. He announced his retirement from baseball. Daniel Murphy's career spanned from the Mets. He played, sadly, in Washington. He played in Colorado and Chicago. And he had one heck of a career. And let me go into his Mets stats. Because that's what's really important. It's a Mets show. He batted 288 with 62 home runs and 402 RBIs. But where the big important part of Daniel Murphy's game came in 2015 in the playoffs. Seven home runs, 11 RBIs. He homered in six straight games. Carried the Mets on his back to get to the World Series. Now he struggled in the World Series and a couple defensive gaffes cost them the series there, but that division series with, you know, DeGrom throwing 13 strikeouts in game one. Then you have Murphy hitting a home run. You go to game four and five, and he's blasting home runs. That's where it started, the six home runs in a row. Off of Kershaw, off of Greinke, 
You know, and then you have that gutsy performance in Game 5 by DeGrom. You go to the NLCS, and it's a complete domination of the Chicago Cubs. Four-game sweep. Homer in every game. Great defensive play. Daniel Murphy, you got to tip your hat to him. He had a great Mets career. He played well when the team was struggling in the early 2010s. And somehow he put it together in 2015 in that late August, early September. And then that playoffs in October didn't get re-signed as they traded for Neil Walker. Went to Washington and I'm pretty sure the Mets regret that every day of the week. Because he destroyed the Mets. But I like to remember all the good times we had with him. So, congratulations, Daniel Murphy, on a great career. Thank you for all your contributions to the New York Mets. I know a lot of Mets fans are huge, huge Daniel Murphy fans. And it's definitely a moment in time we will never forget. So, thank you, Murphy. Enjoy retirement. And that pretty much wraps it up here on the Subway to Shea podcast. I said it earlier, please take a few minutes to write a review. Let me know what you think of the show, what you like, what you didn't like, and I promise I will do my best to improve this show, make it better every week, and have a lot more fun. You can follow the show on Twitter, at Subway to Shea, and you can listen and subscribe to the show on Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Breaker, and Pocket Cast. Until next week, let's go Mets.